Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Now, one of the key elements of living immediately is to be deliberate with our actions, to be mindful of the direction that we're heading in. My guest today, Ben Gray, he loved life back in Australia with his wife and two kids, but he had this feeling that he didn't want to live the same day for the next 65 years. So a few years back, to spice it up a little bit, he packed up his family and his kids in a motorhome and traveled across North America. As exciting as his adventure was, I personally gravitated towards Ben because of the way that he's decided to live life since his road trip. He's recently purchased a property in the countryside of Canada to allow his kids to grow surrounded by nature and to help him instill his three C's, curiosity, courageousness, and creativity. In this episode, we discuss living a predictable life, chasing that imaginary finishing line, and the importance of setting a date to achieve your goals. Ben is as laid back as you'd expect any boy from the Sutherland Shire of Sydney to be, and he is a great father just trying to guide his kids through life with as many experiences as possible. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ben Gray. Hey Ben, how are you? Mate, I'm uh, I'm really good. Um, we've uh, we just spent the weekend moving for like the sixth time, I think it is, in three years. So right off the bat, mate, I'm going to make this prediction for you, uh, exclusive for your podcast. I'm not moving in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> and you have just moved to the countryside uh, in Canada, but that that accent that I'm hearing isn't very Canadian to me. It's not. Um, <laughs> I've got, uh, I, I know most of the time uh, it comes out Australian, but I, lately I've been catching myself uh, on a couple of words and I think, you know, wow, I said that really Canadian. <laughs> well, <Hey>. I, <laughs> I, I also have to apologize to everyone listening. I, I find that the awkwardness in my accent comes out <laughs> when, I, when I'm speaking to Australians and I haven't spoke, spoken to that many uh, since we've been away this year. But I'm sure that a lot of our conversation today is going to be about how a boy from the Sutherland Shire of Sydney ended up in the countryside of Canada and um, your journey and adventure of arriving there is really quite special. But first, I just wanted to talk about how you and I connected. Like, I remember sitting in a log cabin in the middle of the north woods of Wisconsin where my wife, Inga, and I, along with our then four-year-old daughter, Andy, were house-sitting our first place. It was January and the snow was piled, piled high. And we'd been on this family adventure for you know, only a handful of weeks. And I'd been writing articles for um, my Live Immediately website for probably about the same amount of time and I received this email through the website and I remember screaming out to Inga I've received this email through the website and she comes running over and she's like who is it who is it and I'm like oh it's this guy called Ben Gray he's this Australian guy living in Canada who spent a few years traveling through North America in an RV with his wife and two kids a few years ago he just wanted to reach out and say hi, that he loved what we were doing. 
and that he looked forward to following us on this journey. And like that email meant so much to me, mate. Like there was one part of it where it was, it was great because there was more than one person other than my mother reading my articles. But more importantly, it was that a complete stranger had taken the time to simply say hello. And over the, the past however many months, you and I have engaged and, and sent countless emails and hooked up over Skype. And it's been so beneficial to me personally to connect with a father that has similar ideas and philosophies as I do. So I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to reach out to me. Uh, it really did mean a lot to me and it's been the start of a, of a great friendship. So thank you. Yeah, mate. Uh, like in Aussie, I'd say no worries, mate. But uh, the Canadian me is going to say you're very welcome. So, um, and it's funny because um, I'm actually an introvert by nature. Um, but I guess I, I could describe myself as the introvert who gets uh, overly excited sometimes. And I think that was one of these moments where, you know, I was just um, scrolling through uh, Instagram as you do, and I just come across this feed and. I just, I remember immediately thinking, like, there's so many similarities. Like, obviously it helps that you were from Australia and, uh, you know, my, my wife had worked in Newcastle before, so I, I kind of knew the area that, um, of your hometown. And, um, and I just, I love the house sitting idea. I thought, wow, I didn't think of that one. So I thought that was really cool. And, you know, and my wife and I are big on, big believers in just, like, you know, if you're sensing that energy and, you know, just to go with your gut on things. And so I just reached out. I don't, you know, I do it a handful of times. Um, but really, you know, it's, I, I, I knew immediately that there was, there'd be a connection there just from kind of what you were doing, which I thought was really cool. Oh, thanks, man. And it, it was, it was really, um, it was really special for me. But um, this is all about you today. And so take me back that handful of years and, and paint that picture of, of how life was like for you in Australia. Yeah, look, life in Australia was good. It really, it really was. We, I mean, Australia is an incredible country to call home. And, and it's probably a question that I get more than any others. They're like, you're Australian? Like, why would you move away from Australia? Like, and it's a, it's a, it's a completely sensible question because I'd give, I'd, I'd chosen to, to live in this country that's covered in white stuff for five or six months of the year and, and given up the, the Australian summers and everything else. But uh, look, I'll, I'll paint that picture. I, you know, we all, I don't know why, but we always start with the job. Um, I worked for a huge corporate. Um, you know, I had a, had a really good career. I had a promising future. And to top this, I actually, I really loved my job. Um, I worked with amazing people. I had a lot of respect for my boss and um, he was the type of guy that uh, made sure that we were working on the right things and, and, and uh, working towards something and make a difference in, uh, in an industry that had, had its ups and downs. Um, I had the dream, mate. I had the house with the lawn. Um, you know, I had, had a wonderful wife, two beautiful kids, lived in a great neighborhood. I had family support, um, you know, and everyone was in generally in pretty good health. So... To be honest, I had a pretty blessed life in Australia, and I don't take any of that for granted because, um, I mean, I've travelled to countries and I've seen things to know, you know, how good that we have it. So, which is really interesting that you say that, Ben, because a lot of time, you know, people are kind of having 
elements in their life that aren't going well. And I think it's great that, that everything was going really well for you on kind of all fronts. But was there a particular point where you felt, you know what, something has to change? Like what made you kind of take that, that step to, to, to travel? Yeah, look, I remember thinking, you know, like how good life was in Australia. And, I mean, I think we seem to have so many of the things that people were aspiring to and working towards. And, and I don't want that to come out wrong, right? But I started to question it and I started to think, like, how many people are going to be disappointed when they get to this point? Like, they get all these things that they're after and, and now they're here. And, or how, even worse, like, how many people are going to work their entire lives, maybe not get to where they wanted to be, but, you know, think that the grass was greener. And we were here, and it's not that we were disappointed by any means, but our gut told us that this wasn't all life was going to be for us. And I know personally I, I didn't want to wake up at 65 wondering why I lived the exact same day, you know, over and over again. So, yeah, I'll summarize that. Like, life's good. We've got lots of great things. We've got, you know, awesome people around me, yet – there was this element that it's something just wasn't there, maybe like just lacking a little bit of fulfillment or something. But I was looking for more freedom and maybe a little bit more purpose in my in my everyday. And it's funny because I know that the ideal of freedom and purpose um, was available to us in Australia, but I just didn't know how to get there. And I needed something to shake shake it up and. Then I think there's a couple of things that happened in my life around that when I was having these questions in my mind. And they allowed me to kind of renew my belief that life was a choice and it was my choice, right? And so first of all, uh, my boss passed away. He was, oh, my God, he was, he was only in his 40s. He had young children. It was, it was devastating um, for, for everyone that was, was around him at the time. And as we do in Australia, like we had a morning, there was a morning funeral and we just went straight to the pub. And I just listened to people say stuff like, oh, it's moments like these that you realize how short life is and so important to put your family first. And then it just felt like everybody went back to work. It just went back to, to routine. And I know that's not the case. I know people, you know, grieved for, for long times on this, but it was this image I painted in my head of just people just going back to their day-to-day lives and, and not actively making change from something as big as this. And for me, it was just one of those defining moments. The second was, um, and I think I did a blog on this, but or mentioned it in a blog, but I was in a meeting with a bunch of 40 and 50 year olds and I just, you know, they were faceless in this image, but it was me in 10 or 20 years. And it's not that I didn't want to be there. It was, I wasn't ready to be there. I wanted to, I wanted to experience something else before, you know, if that was, if that's where I ended up, that's fine. But something had to happen in between. And I think also um, life was getting fairly predictable and I'd, I'd fallen into this trap of chasing that imaginary finish line. And, you know, I'll be happier when, I'll relax when, I'll, I'll do that when, I'll change that after. And I felt like a bit like, I was watching a television, like flicking the channels on the TV and I was getting a bit of everything, but I really wasn't, wasn't sitting down and enjoying the show. So I asked myself a question, was I going to have any regrets in 20 or 30 years if I accepted my current life as all it was going to be? 
And the answer, of course, was yes. And, you know, before we knew it, you know, we packed up everything that we owned into a single garage. We, we donated and gave stuff away. And we're on our way to North America with two young kids who were both under five at the time. Wow. It's, um, you, you said some really great things there that, that resonated with me. And it was not living the same day for the next 65 years and it's really why i asked the the question at the end of every podcast which you're not allowed to answer it yet but you know (laughs) what is your perfect day and it's it's something that i kind of i tweaked from a friend of mine anthony anthony ongaro and it's about like that ideal day you know what like how do you want to live your life and and are you doing that now and what can you what can you change today to help you kind of move in that direction and you talk about that imaginary finishing line and I know that that is something that I struggled with a lot more previously, but it's still something that I kind of struggle with now of like, of kind of arriving, like, you know, if I do this and, and I'm, I'm going to kind of reach there, I guess what I'm trying to do is, is sometimes push away that, those, the hard things and just, just kind of want this you know, Moses parting the sea and allowing me to kind of walk through. If it is Moses, if it, if it wasn't Moses, I'm, I'm, I don't really understand the Bible, but you know about the parting of the sea. And it's, yeah. and, and, you know, we kind, of, we kind of want that, that, that ease. And I guess what I've learned, learned now is that I, I kind of do grow through the struggles. Um, but you did talk about then kind of coming to that point where you packed up, packed up your life and with your two kids and, and jumped in an RV to travel around um, the US. And that's really easy to say, but there obviously must have been some, some key things that you had to put into place to, to make that happen. So how did that really all kind of come about? Yeah, look, I, I think that, I mean, it started many years ago. I, was, I spoke about moving to Canada and you can ask my friends, people I worked with, it was kind of this pipe dream and, and I, attached to that is I wanted to pursue a couple of passions that, and just change life up. So I kind of always had this, it was always inside of me. And I guess what's really interesting is at the time I actually felt like I had to move countries to, to pursue some of my passions, right? It was as silly as that sounds now. I'd kind of built this thing, you know, and this idea and I, I'd become pretty attached to it. And the point is, I just got, I got sick of talking about it and I feared that it was going to be nothing more than a dream. And I equate it to like the friend zone of a relationship, right? Once you're in the zone, um, you know, things don't go any further if, if you're not making effort and trying to change things up. And, and it's the same with a dream. If you're not working towards it, it's not going to happen. So, you know, as I said, I'm at this point where I'm fed up. I'm not knowing how to give the dream any, any momentum. And, and then those series of things happened in my life and I, I started to realize that no one's going to make this happen, happen for me, you know. Um, and it was as simple as this. I, I played with the idea in my head for a while of, of moving to Canada and I went home from work one day and I said to my wife, um, you know, we'd been talking about going back for maybe two or three months over at Christmas, uh, taking some long leave and just going to spend time with, with family and stuff and anyway so I went home and I said to her oh, look I've got this really important project going on at work um, I don't think we can go back at Christmas um, we might have to go in like February or something but how about we go for a year um, I think she nearly fell off the chair because that was the last thing she expected me to say and 
in the end, we, we ended up there by Christmas and we've been here three years. But I guess the point is the first step to the dream or making it come true was throwing that idea out there and attaching a time frame to it. And, I mean, I don't want to downplay the enormity of this decision, like to pack up your entire life and move countries. Um, you know, I wouldn't advocate that as the solution for everyone. Um, but what helped us was that we were able to break it down into components. Um, you know, once we put it out there and threw the, attached that date to it, um, it just became, okay, so what do we need to do now to get there? Um, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning was – you know, these things don't happen overnight, right? And we'd worked really hard at what I'd, what I'd phrase as um, financial freedom. And it was we spent years making what I'd call smart money um, decisions and life choices to try and help reduce our financial pressure, which is huge in Sydney, as you would know. It's, um, you know, the housing market's expensive. It's expensive to live there. It's expensive to buy anything. But I'll give you an example. So we moved... Uh, we bought this house, um, I don't know how many years ago now, maybe 10 or so years ago. And, you know, it was this lovely house, but it had pink carpets, right? And it, they were almost brand new. I don't know why anyone would have put pink carpets in with the green walls. But <laughs> seriously, it's, it, it, yeah, it's as, voice, it's as bad as it sounds. And, uh, but we stayed there for, we lived there seven years and we did not change. I ended up painting. Uh, but the place still has pink carpet. And we I had so many people around me that were buying houses and just gutting them and making them perfect from day one. And I know, I guess, in some sense, we, we had this feeling that we were going to move to Canada at some point and that we would need the cash, right? But, um, yeah, but it's, it's just one example. And I think that, you know, to make certain dreams happen, you need to make sacrifices. You need to go without and ultimately it comes down to what do you want more? You know, I think you're 100% right there, mate. It really comes down to choices. And, you know, as you said, you have to figure out which one you want more. And the old saying, you know, you can have it all, you just can't have it all at once. But take me to that moment where you're, you're traveling through North America in, in this, this motorhome. Like, had you ever driven a motorhome before? Like, how did you, I guess, arrive to, to doing that little trip? It's, it's, I think our, our dream just evolved. Um, like I said, we, once we made the decision to move to Canada, everything else became easy. Um, and I think the first thing we decided was we didn't want our life to be exactly the same as it was in Australia, right? Like it's a, it's a ton of effort to, to move countries and just recreate exactly what you had in one country in another country. So we started looking at what options we had and, and we'd spoken about driving across a continent before, Australia and Canada, and, and a points the RV thing had come into it. And suddenly I had this vision of me sitting behind the wheel of a large bus-type contraption, and I was sold, right? All of my nomadic tendencies would be fulfilled. And, and once I had that vision of the bus, like literally there, there was no going back. Um, and at one point I think I was going to call the blog Everyone Loves a Good Honk. <laughs> um, but it was a little bit limiting, and so we didn't go with that. But now, seriously, it's again, it just, it just, um, we just decided that like, we just um, we threw all those options out there, and we're like, okay, let's buy a motorhome, let's drive across North America because that's awesome, and and that's how we ended up in the motorhome for a year. But 
No, I'd never driven one. Um, I'd, I'd never even driven an F-150. I Actually, I probably wouldn't have even known what an F-150 was until I moved to the country. Um, I th- the biggest car I've driven is probably a Honda CRV. And I don't know, the, the RV, uh, it slows you down, right? It does about zero to 60 in 20 seconds. And, and that's only if you're going downhill. Um, <laughs> You know, it's uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was I tell you what was the the best thing about the motorhome, and I mean, there's there's a ton of options, right, in motorhomes, and um, we we decided to go with what they call a Class C, and it's um, it's one of the ones that you you drive. It's not it, it doesn't it's not the bus, unfortunately, um, but it's got the driving cabin and it has uh, like a, a double or a queen bed above the cabin, um, and then there's a bedroom in the back and all the other bits in between, and what was really cool was just having it with us everywhere. It was the right size to be able to spend all of that time in, but not so large that we couldn't take it anywhere. Like I drove that thing everywhere, like downtown Vancouver, uh, Calgary, Nashville, like everywhere. I just drove the thing through any town. It just nothing could stop me. And uh, I don't know. It was such an incredible experience to have your, your home with you. Like, the whole time, and I I wrote a blog called um, uh, it was called Nine Lessons Learned from Living in a Motorhome or something like that, and and the lesson was home can be anywhere, and I I want to just read you something from the blog. There's something very freeing about not knowing where you sleep at night. We tried Walmart parking lots, truck stops, little hideaways in national parks, and RV parks. It didn't really matter where we went to sleep at night. Once the blinds were drawn, we could have been anywhere and it didn't matter. Our RV was the constant in our life and it let our family be together in a way that many families couldn't even imagine. I'll give an example. We we got ready in the parking lot for the Grand Old Opry in Nashville. Like we literally showered, had dinner and got ready while we watched people arrive in their, you know, their fancy gear and it was just a, we just laughed the whole time that, here we are inside this vehicle, like getting ready for this show. Um, you know, we could, it was with us everywhere. We'd go to the beach and we can come back for a rest. Um, the kitchen was there. So we hardly ever bought out. We didn't have to purchase food on the road. We just literally walked back to our house at lunch um, and made it, you know. So it was pretty special, made it. Um, the motorhome definitely became part of the uh, part of the family. Yeah, the, the whole RV option like when Inga and I made that decision to to kind of travel for the year with the family the the RV option came up for us but it kind of got crossed out pretty early because with Inga's business inkling design we needed to have you know access to wi-fi and you know quite decent speed wi-fi as well with design files and all that kind of stuff but one of the biggest uh, I guess and I know I've spoken about this before and I've spoken to you about it obviously offline before but one of the biggest things I had to really adjust to initially was being around my daughter the whole time from pretty much when she woke up to when she went to bed and and even though that was one of the main reasons we wanted to travel as a family to spend more time with each other I didn't really think about the lack of me time that I wouldn't have and it was it was interesting because when you initially reached out to me I was going through all this internally and I and I emailed you about it and you said something like you know don't worry mate your new family groove will settle in soon and you were a hundred percent right and and it did and being around Andy 
so much every day is one of the most precious elements of this whole adventure for me now. But what were some of the key things that you learnt about yourself and your family being on the road and living so close to each other for such a long time? Uh, I learnt that 23-7 is enough. Uh, <laughs> you've got to, um, you have to find an hour each day for yourself. Like, I agree with you. It was something I struggled with um, at the start. You know, I'd always blamed uh, my lack of um, me time on being too busy and, but suddenly we're on the road and I've got no deadlines, I've got no appointments, I've got no meetings, uh, there's no kids' activities planned, there's no birthday parties. We, lit, we, we had nowhere to be. And yet for uh, even the first couple of months, I'm like, I cannot find a second to myself. Like, there's something wrong with this picture. Um, you know, but you just, it was something that I made a priority and, um, you know, you built in whether it was an exercise, you know, whether it was yoga or just taking a walk or, a, you know, I love taking photos, so I'll just try and find somewhere new. Um, of course, we had the motorhome, we weren't pulling a second car, so we were quite confined to, um, you know, a small space and, and it was really then just how far you could walk or, uh, or jump on a bike and ride. So... And I think, like, other things about our family were um, the big one for me, uh, and probably more so for my wife, was that there were two parents uh, in a very small space. And that was something that, you know, we, we had to, to work through because, um, like most people, everyone's got different parenting styles and, um, you know, normally it's one parent with the child, like, doing most of, of that type of stuff and... You know, particularly when I was at work and then on the weekends I might take a stronger role there and, and Marley would step back. So having two people in a really small space trying to parent the kids and, and deal with all those moments with no escape, um, you know, it was definitely a, a testing thing that we had to, had to work through. And as for the kids, the kids were amazing on this trip. They, like for their age and stuff, they were just phenomenal. But we learned early on that museums were a no-no. Like, they would just lose it. Like, every museum would just – we saw the trend pretty quick, and, and it was all of these things, a ton of other stuff, right? But um, we just found that flow for our family. And I, know I always – I like the word flow and not routine, and I'm, I'm purposeful in using it because our routine was different every day, but the flow and rhythm was the same. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, most – most nights we would, um, you, you know, we'd do something in the morning and we might hit the road for a while. And, and then, But before dinner, we tried to make it a thing where we would stop at like a new park or a kid's playground or somewhere for them to ride their bikes and just get outside. And whatever it was, one of us would go with the kids um, while the other made dinner. And it allowed the kids to use up that energy and it gave, you know, one of us quality time with the kids and quiet time for the other while they were cooking and you know and we used to switch that up every day but I think that every day um it wasn't a holiday and I think that's the people like oh you you, you traveled for for eight months nine months on the road and I'm like well we did but it was really living because it wasn't a holiday we still had chores we still like we still did kids books uh we still prepared meals like it wasn't we weren't sightseeing every single day of the trip. Like we weren't going, sorry, to museums and um, you know, and other tourist attractions. We were just, we were just living. We were, you know, taking walks and doing stuff like that. Um, you know, so 
but we just loved that lifestyle and, um, you know, it was cool. I just love my family so much and I wouldn't have traded this year for a thing because to be there by my kid's side and to, you know, these night, these, um, you know, these late night chats with my wife as we were driving through the night, um, just really cool memories, mate. I, I'll never forget them. Yeah, no, it's, I've kind of, I've gone back and read a lot of your stuff and, and, you know, look, looked at some of your photos and it really does look like a, a, it was a special trip. And, you know, I, I can definitely say that it's, you know, it, it echoes over here as well, where um, we're in, it's really interesting, actually, you know, we're in, in the, the final kind of couple of weeks of this adventure while we're chatting right now. And, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit, a little bit sad for this this chapter of our life to to be coming to an to an end, knowing that there will be a new new adventures, the adventure of life in front of us. But there has been something really special about this year and our family just being together um, for in you know closely for for such a long period period of time. But um, what made you then? You know, you you're on the road, you're having a great time. What made you put the RV in park for the final time and, and call an end to the family trip? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, do you know, I, I think it's because we never had a single dream. Like, uh, and I, you know, the, this roaming days idea was never about that single adventure because when we, when we opened up that possibility of moving countries, like I said, nothing was out of scope. We just threw everything out there and, I guess the real dream was to take a year off, and like you've alluded to, there is is um, how special it is to spend that much time in close proximity to your family and your loved ones, and and I think that was really important to us, and, and probably one of the key drivers. And we then we just decided to couple that with another dream to drive across a continent, and then along the way that RV idea came up, and I think the final piece was sustainability and. Um, we always questioned or wondered how long we'd be able to stay on the road and we were open to homeschooling because, you know, my daughter was nearing that age. So, um, we're definitely open to that idea. And, you know, we considered ways that we, we just needed to make enough money for gas and food and, you know, any odd field trip here and there. So we were open to all of that. And we just got to this point that we needed to make a decision. Right. And again, it's this, you know, we sat down, gut feel was, I don't know, something was telling us that it wasn't the right time to continue on the road. And part of that was we were in a new country and we appreciated the need to to get established in, in Canada. Um, you know, because I, I must admit, since, you know, you come into a new country and you, no one likes you. <laughs> the employers don't like you. The banks don't like you. Um, it's like being a uni student again. You just you you're kind of starting from scratch, and it, we're very conscious of that and and the need to kind of to plant ourselves and and establish something. So I don't think it was any more anything more than that. We we really hope to do it again someday, but at that moment in time, it was uh, it was time to move on to the next thing. And was it as, as sad as it was? Because it really like I, I know what you. I can imagine what you're going through. Ah, uh, it it, it was tough. <laughs> it is. I have have all these different thoughts going through my head, and I I have to keep keep saying to myself, just enjoy these last days. Like enjoy today. Like don't don't be thinking about the future too much because the the future will will end up being here. But today will will not be here again. But um, was it was it hard for you? 
I guess, to adjust back into that normal life? Like, did you have any big challenges with that? Or, or, or I guess maybe because it were, because it was a new country, it was just everything was new kind of in a way. Uh, do you know what? It was actually, it was something I didn't see coming. Um, but that was really, really difficult. And, um, you know, we're, we're okay with that. We, we got, got to that point where we're going to move on from the RV trip and we were okay with that. And we just moved, you know, we started that next steps and I started, you know, I applied for some jobs and, um, you know, and suddenly I'm, I'm working, uh, you know, outside of Toronto and, and we were in a tiny condo and the condo was, was brand new, had every amenity, um, you know, in the building, like it had pools and a cinema and, we had all the shops at our doorstep, and um, but the, the condo itself was, I don't know, maybe twice the size of the RV, and the primary difference being that in the RV, I had North America as my backyard, and in this condo, I had this tiny little balcony, and I don't know, I felt stuck. Like, like I love the city of Mississauga, um, but suddenly I was back in an environment sooner than I'd hoped to be, and, and I just felt like it was my life in Australia again. And as I mentioned earlier, it was kind of everything that we were hoping to do was to build something different. And suddenly I feel like our whole purpose of the trip had been lost and I was feeling a little bit like there was a sense of failure there. And it, it took me months to kind of kind of get through that. And and it wasn't until I started really analysing things and that I realised that things were different. And like um, I... I used to, I started walking to work every day and about 20 minutes each way, but the old me would have bought a car purely for efficiency. I could have been in the office in a minute and a half working. Uh, instead, I'm spending 40 minutes of my day um, outside. And I should mention that when I was doing this, it was the dead of winter. So <laughs> I never felt so alive. It was minus, I had a week of between minus 20 and minus 30. Wow. And, uh, and one of the days, uh, my eyelid froze shut. Like I couldn't open it. With, uh, you you, you were know, the only person walking on the street that week. I, I, I may have seen one other person that was probably dressed a little bit better than I was. So it was cold. But the point is that it was amazing. I, my wife would say, like, I'll get up. I'll drive you. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I want to walk. I want to. It's the, my favorite part of the day. It's freezing on the way to work. So, I don't know. I think um, normal well, how, life – sorry, go on. I was going to say, well, how did you end up like in the country then? Because, you know, we, we kind of discussed at the beginning of the, the podcast, you've you've literally just bought yourself uh, your, your country property up there. So, congratulations on that. You know, you're kind of planning your, your, your roots in, in the countryside. But, like, what, what kind of took you out of the city uh, and into the countryside? Yeah, look, um, uh, we 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 stuck with um, the city for for a little while, obviously, and um, and then something just kind of these things lined up. We'd we'd uh, we'd park the motorhome uh, over winter at somebody's house, like it was somebody that knew somebody that had a had a spot that we could fit this thing over winter, and um, he I. At a point where I was going to sell the motorhome, he mentioned that he had a second property on on his land and he was thinking about renting it. Would we be interested? And and this was all early in the year. And we said, oh, yeah, that'll be great. And just let us know. 
And yeah, so seven months into being in the city, um, yeah, we get this we get this call, and he's like, "Are oh, you still interested? I'm I'm putting it up for rent." And and it was on uh, 40, 30, 40 acres of land. Um, it was across the road from uh, a school that we we just dreamed of sending our kids to, and we we had this massive decision to make, right? Like. Um, it was then and there we, we kind of had to, to sit down and and think about do we really want to move to the country and what does that mean for everything? Like, so I've got this job in the city, you know, do I have any options around this? Um, you know, so I spoke to them about, yeah, flexible working arrangements and and when that was positive, got some positive news on that, I had to decide whether I wanted to do this long commute, like it's hours from, from the city and, and I'd potentially be away a couple of nights of the week and, did I want to make that type of sacrifice? And I mean, the answer was yes, because it was the right decision ultimately for the family. It was the lifestyle that we'd been craving. Um, and it really allowed us to, to keep that roaming days dream to continue and, and continue to grow. So I don't know. That's, that's, that's kind of how it all planned out. And you, wrote, played out. Yeah, you, wrote, you wrote something the other day um, on Instagram that like I just loved it really kind of hit home for me and I'm reading this you said um, our move to the country was a purposeful choice and it continues to help us instill three big C's in our kids curiosity creativity and courageousness you know two questions here you know explain the importance of those three C's in your life and why do you think a rural setting is so good for kids yeah, look, those three words, um, uh, let kids be kids, right? Like I think that we, those things have been lost so much in, um, you know, when people are so busy and, and, and parenting becomes so strict and so narrow um, that the kids kind of lose those things. They're not able to be curious about stuff. And, you know, I don't have the time to talk about that now. Just this, how it, this, this is how it is. Um, so letting them ask those questions and explore, and, um, and I know the country definitely just you know blows out the creativity because they've got endless resources uh, at their fingertips. Um, and courageousness is is something that I've been very. It's one of my words for this year, um, and obviously that I want to to role model that for the kids and and help them you know take on life and give them the tools and the support that they need to to take on the things that they're going to face in a day in a courageous type of way. So, um, yeah, those words are kind of really important for me this year and, um, you know, and, and I'm trying to focus on that in my own parenting styles. But the country itself, I, when, we were on the, when we were on the road, we stopped at a – my wife had a friend uh, who owns a farm and we stopped in there for a couple of days. And one of the afternoons, the – um, she's like, oh, let's uh, grab a grab a magnifying glass. We're going for a walk. And one of the kids, like, you know, my daughter, I think, was five at the time, and my son was younger, and the other kids weren't a lot up, weren't much older. And uh, so they've all got their magnifying glasses, and we're out there, you know, burning leaves using the reflection of the sun, like, you know. And and I remember her saying to us, "This is what we do in the country." And <laughs> I don't know if I don't, I'm not sure I fully appreciated the realness of that comment at the time. But having spent the last year in the country, I can just see the difference um, in our kids and and how we raise the how we raise our kids. Um, we just give them more freedom to explore and 
Um, they're not limited by their surroundings and stuff. I just, I know it's great. What I've seen, how I've seen my kids grow in the last 12 months and, and the little individuals that are becoming, um, that's awesome. I just know that we're on the right track. Yeah, I've noticed when we've been on on this adventure and we're in upstate New York now, we're, we're on a property and we're in the, the north woods of Wisconsin and even in Breckenridge, Colorado, we just loved these kind of more rural elements and and as you said like it changes your your parenting and it completely does like when we were in providence rhode island we were really protective of andy and you know you can't do that we and and even the people that we would see on the streets would be looking down um we're here in the country like people just stop there seems to be this this more freedom, this this freeingness, and we allow Andy to kind of like roam wherever you want, you know. And even though she can probably get hurt more here with poison ivy and ticks and you know bears and coyotes and all this kind of stuff, it's like, well, you know, just go out and be a kid and run and play and get dirty. It's it's the conversation of of a of a tree change has been one at many dinner tables with, with Inger and I. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I can completely understand and see why you would opt for that country life. But, uh, I've got two questions for you before we we wrap up here, mate. And, you know, there's lots of people that are probably listening to this and trying to figure out how they can kind of put, you know, make their dreams a reality. And I think you and I, yes, we, we traveled um, to kind of make our dreams come true. But I think both you and I come from the same school of thought where what we're about isn't about packing up your family and traveling. It's more about kind of just, just doing something that is fulfilling in your own life and that really aligns with what you want to do. But do you have any tips for people to kind of help, help their dreams kind of blossom? Yeah, look, I, and I, I agree. I think that you know, people dream, there's so many people dreaming of lots of different things and whether it's, you know, quitting a job, you know, starting a business, opening a coffee shop, having family, whatever it is, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a, yeah, there's an endless range of possibilities and, you know, moving countries is definitely not the only solution. Um, I, I think that, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but um, since the trip, my wife always says to people, um, set a date. And like I'll, she'll hear someone say something like, um, uh, "I want to have more time with my children," and she's on them. She's like, she 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 sits down and she asks all these great questions, and she can you know helps them consider all of the possibilities they have to make that happen. And you know, I just keep seeing that you know people get so stuck um, in a particular way that sometimes they can't see all the possibilities. And it's a really simple process is to you know, bounce it off somebody else and and they'll see them make that difference. Like she just she goes through those options and she's like, okay, which is gonna work the best and then set a date and stop looking for excuses why you can't do it. Look at, you know, the reasons why you can. And I know that it seems obvious and simple like to circle a date in the calendar. Um, but that stake in the ground is is super motivating and and the underlying factor is that the date it doesn't matter the actual date doesn't mean a thing. It's the behavior that changes once you create that mental picture that this isn't open-ended. And that's what happened to us. We set that date to move to Canada 
and just set those wheels in motion instead of thinking, oh, how am I going to get all, what, like, you know, this is too big, I can't face this. It was like, okay, this is going to happen, and now I just have to do X, Y, and Z to get there. And it just knocked down all those barriers, and um, I don't know, just, you know, it just allowed us to move more freely, and, and once it's going, it's less daunting um, and terrifying. I, I, I second that. I think once the, once the snowball starts running down the hill, it just kind of gathers its own momentum and, and one thing leads to another and what you thought was the third step actually completely changes once you do the first and second step. And it's, it's really is like, an, you know, I agree with you. Setting that date allows you a time frame to then divide all the jobs up into and you go, okay, cool, this is what I need to do this week. And, and seven days is not as daunting as, you know, 12 months. You can actually kind of break all those things and, and you'd be amazed at what you can really achieve in, in, in a short period of time. But I've got one final question for you, buddy, and it is a question that I, I ask all my guests and we did kind of touch on it uh, previously, but it's to describe your perfect day. Well, I've... Uh... Mike, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, so I, I knew this question was coming. And uh, in my head, I would have gone with, um, you know, it's probably waking up by the water somewhere in the motorhome. I, I, I would live in the motorhome if I could. Um, I would get some yoga in. I'd spend the morning, like, checking out, roaming, new surroundings with the family. Um, but do you know what? And I, I want to mention, and you mentioned it before, but I did listen to that podcast with Anthony and um, – and I know that his question was, what would your perfect work day be? And I can tell you that that threw me, it, like for days. I was like, I don't know how to, I, I couldn't answer that. I don't know what I would say if you asked me that question. And I realized that um, I don't think I have any aspirations right now as to what that perfect day or my perfect work day would be because I'm happy right where I am. Mm. And I haven't gone through that process yet, you know, because this has been a whirlwind three years and we've just kind of landed in this spot and um, I don't know, I just I ask myself this question, am I, am I okay that I don't have that aspiration? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay with that. And then I'm like, so why? Why am I okay with that? And the answer that popped in my head was uh, I'm content. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure I've ever used that word before. Um, you know, I've used comfortable, but I'm not sure I've used content. And I then had this, I, I thought about that for a bit longer, and then I had this shocking realization that I also don't have any aspiration at this second in time to travel. And I have advocated the benefits of travel um, and how they've had massive impacts, positive impacts on my life, and as I have through this, this, um, this podcast. But... I'm living in the country. I've got hiking trails and outdoor four-season outdoor experiences everywhere around me, and lots I haven't done coming from Australia. And I live in this cool community, and you know we're able to provide this lifestyle and schooling we want for our kids. You know, last year one of my favourite things of the week was, um, you know, because I'm, I'm in the city a few days and then I'm, I work from home a couple of days, but I was able to walk my daughter to school, and it was my favourite activity of the week, hands down. And, you know, I'm not, I did other things that I would never have done back home. Like I'm the least handiest person I know. And I built a bunny cage and I'm trying to build a doll's house. And 
my garden, my my wife built this uh, amazing vegetable garden of fresh produce that really just got us through the whole summer. And ultimately, mate, no day is the same, and I love it. <laughs> but mate, I think that is that's beautiful. That you know, the life you're living is exactly what you want to do. And, you, you know, you have advocated about traveling and, and, and how richer your life kind of comes from that. But you're, you're now harvesting. You're now bringing, bringing all that in, in into your life and kind of, you know, piecing all those elements together. And, I, mate, I think that is, that is beautiful. I think being content and happy, you know, we spoke about that imaginary finishing line, but that's the that contentment and happiness I believe is the cloud that we want over us pushing through life like that, mate, hands down. That's beautiful. Thanks man. But uh, mate, it is a, uh, it is kind of time to, to say our farewells. And I, I really do want to thank you, Ben, you know, for your beautiful story and, and for reaching out to me, for helping me with your advice and, and for simply being there for me. It, it, really, it really did help to be able to connect with someone who, who had gone through exactly the, the certain things that I was going through and, and to be, you know, that year ahead of me. And, you know, I've asked you so many questions about what's it going to be like when I get home and, <laughs> and you've, you've been really, really comforting for that, mate. So thank you very much. If people do want to reach out to you and, you know, follow your, follow your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, you can check out the website, uh, roamingdays.com. Um, stuff about the trip, ongoing stories and learnings and things. Um, or you can check out some photos on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, roaming underscore days. And, um, yeah, drop me a line. Just say hello. You never know where it's going to lead you. You could do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I, can, I can promise you he will say hello back. But uh, I'll make sure all the links are in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Before we go, Benny, is there anything that I've missed out, anything that you want to say? Oh, look, I just want to thank you for the experience. This is a, this is a first for me. Um, so thank you for being patient with my lack of internet and, and a few scheduling issues. Um, no, but I want to congratulate you guys as well. You and Inga, have, um, you're making amazing and wonderful life choices for your family and, um, you know, and appreciate you sharing those experiences with everyone. Um, you know, I, this friendship's great and, um, you know, I know it's going to continue to build and hopefully we can grab a beer sometime in the future. Well, hopefully if uh, you end up in the Shire uh, early next year, then uh, happy days. We'll come on down or you can co come on up. But uh, thanks again, Ben, and uh, everybody listening, thank you. And until next time, like always, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.